Well, hello. It's time for Sunday School. We're here to talk about called in authority. Called in authority. This is taken from Mark, the second chapter, the first 12 verses. And we will look at this from the Amplified when we do our readings. Or you can go ahead and get your Bible and be ready to go along with us. Uh, we'll start with the introduction and uh, prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. It is the truth that calls us to be holy. It guides us and calls us to be the type of people with the character that emanates Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word works mightily in our lives and we receive it with thanksgiving. May it be a blessing to those that hear it as well as those that speak it. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Now, in today's lesson, it takes place in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was where Jesus started his home-based ministry operations. Uh, about four or five years ago, well, probably longer than that, I had an opportunity to travel to this location in Capernaum, in Israel, and to see the remnants of what they call Peter's house. Now, as a result of the healings Jesus performed, many people were seeking him out, as you can imagine, and they were following him. However, I just don't want to tell this story, but I want to give the meaning of the event as it relates for us today and to make some significant applications. Now, last Sunday lesson, Jesus read Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And he really was telling us what his calling was. And so let's look at what he said in that particular uh, reading. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of the prison of the eyes of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, Matthew 4.23 in the Amplified says, And he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news the good news or the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every weakness and infirmity among the people. In a few verses just before Mark of the day's text in Mark 1, 40 and 45, it tells us that Jesus healed a leper who told him not to tell anyone that he healed him. But the leper broadcast and spread the word to everyone that Jesus had healed him. Jesus could no longer uh, visit towns anywhere, and he had to stay out in secluded places. Now let's read verses 1 and 2 as we just finished that introduction. It reads in Amplified, And Jesus having returned to Capernaum, after some days it was rumored about that he was in the house, probably Peter's. And so many people gathered together there that there was no room for them not even around the door. And he was discussing the word. Now, in other translations, say he was teaching the word. So we want to emphasize that he was teaching in this occasion. Now, in today's lesson, we see Jesus doing just what he said he was anointed to do in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And as a result of that, when it was known that he was in his hometown in Capernaum, many people came to hear his preaching and his teaching and to receive healing which his ministry actually became known for. So many people fill that house that nobody else could enter it. 
people were standing outside listening to him preach and teach. And we and we get the preach part. If you look at Luke five seventeen, it says preach as well. So we have him preaching and teaching. And I think that's important because that combination is definitely continued to be needed and demonstrated because Jesus showed us that. Now, there's one other piece that we see here that uh, we see him demonstrating. So we put these three together. Jesus taught, he preached, and he healed. Now, here's what I call a nugget. Obedience gives glory to God. Now, whatever you're called to do, whatever God has anointed you to do, do with all your heart and do it to give the glory to God. God will affirm your efforts with signs following. Now, don't concern yourself about what people might say or think about what God is doing through you. Leave the results up to him. Your calling is God's gift to you, not to someone else. Do what you have been called and anointed to do. Your gift will make room for you. Let's look at verse 3 and 5. Verse 3 and 5 says, Then they came bringing a paralytic to him who had been picked up and was carried by four men. And when they could not get into the place in front of Jesus because of the throne, they dug through the roof above him. And when they had scooped out an opening, they let down the padded mat that he was on, which the paralyzed man laid. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven and put away. That is, the penitent is remitted, the sense of guilt removed, and you are made upright and in right standing with God. And that's what forgiveness does. And that's powerful. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All five of these people had heard the words of Jesus, either directly or indirectly. How do we know that the paralyzed man wanted to be healed? <laughs> because he wanted to be carried to Jesus. He agreed with his four friends' actions. Now, how do we know the four men believed Jesus could heal their friend? Well, because they carried him to Jesus. So, isn't it interesting? The faith of your friends can be instrumental in your own healing. Faith without works is dead. These four men saw a need and decided to do something about it. These four men's actions are quite significant. Let me share them with you. Number one, they teach us not to give up when obstacles get in our way, right? We're going to let the crowd stop them. They teach us not to speak discouragement to the one we are helping. You know, when you're helping somebody, you don't want to talk down on them. <laughs> it's amazing sometimes people will say, uh, you tell them they got, you find out the person's got cancer or some terminal illness. And people don't really think sometimes. Then they'll say, you know, oh, um, my relative died of that. Well, <laughs> that's really not encouraging. They teach us not to give up on the one we are helping. You know, at any point, those four men could say, you know what, there's too many people here. We can't get in. It can't go inside. Uh, what are we going to do? We can't, you know. They didn't give up. 
It also encouraged us to look for other ways to accomplish our goal when one door is closed. Well, we might can't go inside the house through the door, but you know what? Back in those days, those houses did have either like steps or ladders that went to the roof. And that's what they did. They went to the roof. They didn't let discouragement, obstacles stop them. Where one door was closed, they looked for another. And five, it teaches us not to stop until we get to the source of our faith. And their faith is seen. You can see it by their determination not to give up on their friend. It wasn't until they got him in front of Jesus, which was the original purpose, that they stopped. And lastly, your greatest efforts and energy should be used to help someone else and not on yourself. Faith can be seen. According to Jesus' statement, faith can be seen. Jesus saw their confidence in God through him. Jesus saw the faith of how many men? It was five. Four to carry him up to the roof and to let him down through the roof and one to allow it to be done to him. He was paralyzed or he was sick of the pause, meaning the person was disabled, uh, either in his feet or his legs. Now, this palsy is a condition where there's a loss of sensation, of motion, or both in any part of the body. And it appears that this paralytic, uh, he could see, he could hear, he could speak, but he could not walk. Now, if you look at the what they call the synopsis Gospels, meaning they are similar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all call the man by his disease or his illness, such as the man sick of the palsy or the paralyzed man. You know, we do that today. We say, you know, you know, he so-and-so the drunk or the diabetic or the cancer patient or the prostitute or the alcoholic or the addict or the junkie. Get it? We call them by their illness or their sickness. But you know, the first words that the paralyzed man hears from Jesus is, my son, my son. How confident for this man to hear Jesus call him his son after all he had been through to get into the presence of Jesus. The man was a believer. He had to be. And so were his four friends who heard these same beautiful words from the lips of Jesus. But the words that followed were not what they anticipated. He didn't say, you are healed. He said, your sins are forgiven. It was not a command for his sins to depart, but an authoritative proclamation that pardoned the man's spiritual state as a believer. Now, the Amplified says this about verse 5, according to the word forgiven. My son, your sins are forgiven. Put away. That is, the penalty is remitted. The sense of guilt removed. And you have been made upright and in right standing with God. Wow. 
Jesus spoke to forgive the man's sins, but said nothing about removing or healing the man's sickness. My son, your sins are forgiven. Not just one, but sins. Therefore, we have a topic of discussion. Can spiritual sin cause physical sickness? How about this one? Can physical, I'm sorry, can spiritual forgiveness of sin cause physical healing of a sickness? What do you say? Well, the answer to both of them is yes. I hope that's what you said. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. It reads, Now some of the scribes were sitting there holding a dialogue with themselves as they questioned in their hearts. Why did this man talk this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins, remove guilt, remit the penalty, and bestow righteousness instead except God alone? Well, they were right about that. They were right that God is the only one who can do it. They just didn't realize that God using Jesus and moving through him by the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, Luke 5, 17, it lets us know some things that Jesus was teaching. And where, while he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, and they had come from every village and town of Galilee, Judea, and from Jerusalem. They were already there. They had front row seats. They were there, but here's the problem. Here's the problem when you look at something instead of looking for something. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were only there to look at Jesus, to check him out, to debate with him, and to find fault. For they said to themselves, who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Now let's look at verse 8. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Verse 8 reads, And at once Jesus became fully aware in his spirit that they thus debated within themselves. He said to them, why do you argue? What, what about all of this in your hearts? You know, this is amazing. Yet, this is, I believe, the result of one of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, you know there are nine gifts of the Spirit, just like the nine fruits of the Spirit. You can, <clears throat> you can find these gifts of the Spirit where they are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and 8. I think this particular one where he was able to know what they were thinking is either a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge operating in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it says in Amplified, to one is given in and through the Holy Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom, to another the power to express a word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Holy Spirit. Jesus operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so must we. Now, if we didn't have the teachers of the religious law complaining within themselves, we may not have seen the physical healing of this paralyzed man. Jesus made it very clear that in this case, the sickness was a result of the man's sin. However, Jesus confirmed in John 9, 1, that not all sickness is a result of sin. Jesus healed the man in this case to make a statement. He did something I, I thought was rather strange. He proved himself. He proved who he was right in front of the whole crowd. 
I believe he did it to prove himself to two groups, the believers and the unbelievers. For faith without works is dead. Jesus' healing of the man proved that he had the power and authority to forgive sins, and he proved that he, the man, was forgiven. Now, verse 9 and 10 reads, Which is easy to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven and put away, or to say, Rise, take up your sleeping mat, and start walking, and keep on walking. But that you may know positively and beyond a doubt that the Son of Man has right and authority and power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, Wow. Jesus more than, did more than speak words these words, your sins are forgiven with authority. Now, this was something that they could hear but not see. Jesus gave undeniable proof that his words had the power for them to see that, yes, only God can forgive sins. This was happening before their very eyes. Jesus forgives sins and he heals diseases. Did you know the same Greek word for saved is the same word for healed? It is sozo, S-O-Z-O. Did you know the same word for salvation is the same word for healing? It is soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A. The same divine power called the Holy Spirit that flowed through Christ to forgive this man of his sins was released to heal his paralyzed body. Christ is the Savior of our soul as well as the Savior of our body. Get it? It does not take a greater faith to believe God for healing than it does to believe him for salvation. Jesus' statement in verses 9 and 10 are full of authority and packed with power. The word authority used in the text is the Greek word exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. It carries a sense of a ruling authority. This noun refers to the power or the ability to do something, but can also describe the right to exercise authority or rule. The word power is the Greek word duminous, D-U-N-A-M-I-S. It carries the sense of possession of control and influence, often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural manner. Wow. Literally, it describes the ability to perform an activity. By extension, it refers to someone in a position of power or the force of a person's actions. Now, here's a verse... Matter of fact, I'm going to give a couple. I think you should commit to memory. <laughs> One is Luke 10, 19. Now, Amplified reads this way. Jesus makes this proclamation to his 70 disciples. He's going to send them out two by two. He says to them, Behold, I have given you authority and power, there's exousia, to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power, dunamis, of the enemy, that the enemy possesses, and nothing shall in any way harm you. Oh, oh, wow. Now, do you think that's something that he just gave to the 70 and no more? Mm -mm. Also, here's another one you should commit to memory, Acts 1.8. The Amplified says, you know, he's talking to the disciples. He tells them, but you shall receive power. This is dunamis. Ability, efficiency, and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. Not not a witness, right? You're going to be my witness. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives dunamis power for ministry. Dunamis 
power refers primarily to the powers of God or to the powers and ability that God gives to people. And he does give that ability to people. But I have a question. Has Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, given those that believe in him power? Another question. Do you as a believer have authority and power in Jesus' name? I sure hope your answer is yes. Jesus says to the teacher of the law, which is easy to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or put away, or to say, rise up, take up your sleeping pad, and start walking, and keep on walking. So that you may know positively and beyond a doubt that the Son of Man has the right the authority, the exousia, and the power, the dunamis, on earth to forgive sins and to heal. He said to the paralyzed man. And let's look at the last two verses now. 11 and 12. Say to you, arise, pick up and carry your sleeping mat and be going on home. And he arose at once, picked up the sleeping pad and went about, went out before all of them. So that they were all amazed and recognized and praised and thanked God saying, we, we, we've never seen anything like this before. You know, Jesus turns from the religious leaders that he was talking to, to the paralyzed man now laying on the ground on the mat. And he says to him, arise, pick up and carry your sleeping mat and be going on home. And that is exactly what he did. He rose at once, picked up the sleeping mat and went out before them all. <laughs> He might have came down through the roof, but he walked out the front door. And they were amazed, and they were recognized and praised and thanked God. They didn't thank Jesus. They thanked God, saying that we'd never seen anything like that. And, and, and I think that's the way it ought to be. When we do the works of the God, anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit that he's given us, then the praise all goes to him. And when it's done, people can see it, and they won't look to you. They'll look to it's so supernatural. They look to the right source and they praise God. And that's what they should do when we do things for God. Not praise us, but praise him. Jesus spoke it, but the man had to act. This is important. The paralyzed man had to have enough faith to do what Jesus said. Regardless of his past or present circumstances were, it didn't matter how long he may have been paralyzed he would have stayed paralyzed if he hadn't gotten up, if he hadn't did what Jesus said. There is a lesson in that for all of us as well. Do what the Lord tells you and do it promptly. Don't procrastinate. Don't think about how things are. Focus on what Jesus told you to do and do it. The fact that Jesus said it meant that he could do it. Look, make these confessions with me. Talk back to me. Repeat after me what I'm getting ready to say to you. Number one, I claim Psalms 103 verses 2 and 3. What do they say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Are you saying this? Who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases. He has delivered me out of all bondages of the enemy, including sin, sickness, and disease by faith. I claim forgiveness of my sins and healing of my diseases now in Jesus' name. After you say this, don't claim them diseases anymore. Don't say this is my diabetes, my cancer, my heart. You know, don't, don't claim it anymore. Don't call it yours because it ain't. Sin and sickness and disease came from the fall of Adam and Eve. It's from Satan. Second thing to claim. I claim Acts 1.8 and Luke 10.19. 
repeat this with me, if you will. Make this proclamation or this confession. I ask the Holy Spirit to baptize me and fill me with his power, dunamis, the ability, the efficiency and might, and authority, exousius, to be a witness. No, to witness, to witness, be Jesus' witness, and have the physical, the mental strength and ability over all the dunamis, all the power of the enemy. You have power over the power of the enemy. <laughs> wow. Now, let's end with this prayer. And it's been, it's been great. This is a great lesson. I'm learning. I'm, I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the power. Well, let's say it the way the word says. Jesus, thank you for the word of your power. That's how it's written in scripture. Thank you for the word of your power. We can do what you say we can do. Only if we believe. So therefore, Lord, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us. We ask you to heal us. We choose to put ourselves in a position and in a place where you can do all three of those. And where we can hear you and where we can hear you speak to us and then do whatever you tell us to do. We thank you for the authority of your word. We thank you for all that you're doing for us. We worship you in the power and the authority of your name, Jesus, the Christ. Amen. We give you